You're listening to Lab Notes, your weekly guide to science and innovation. Hello, I am Marek Enetpanos. And I'm Leo Stevens. Welcome to The Brief, where we cover two concepts from science and business. Hi, Mark. What have you got for us today? G'day, Leo. Today I want to talk about the Australian Academy of Science. It provides independent advice, promotes international scientific engagement, builds public awareness and understanding of science. In other words, it champions, celebrates and supports excellence in Australian science. The Academy is a not-for-profit organization that is located in our nation's capital, in Canberra, and it was founded in 1954 and is largely modeled on the Royal Society of London, which is an organization that dates back to 1660. The Academy's aim is to support and promote science, and although it receives some government funding, it is very much an independent body. One of the things it does, each year the Academy elects up to 20 new Australian fellows in recognition for their contribution to science. Currently it has about 540 fellows on its books. It also hands out a large amount of honorific awards and a modest amount of grant funding of less than $400,000 in total. And these are, very briefly, the key aspects of the Australian Academy of Science. So, I guess, who runs this organisation? Is it the fellows or is there a professional staff as well? There are a number of direct employees that sort of help with the administration, but you have a president who is elected, who's generally speaking a a fellow of the organisation. And then they run committees and things like that. Right, and and I guess celebrating science is a big part of their role. How do they actually accomplish that? So every year they run events that are called Science at the Dome, where they invite young and budding researchers from Australian universities and they promote science through that. They also write advice to the government. They put out year plans on their website and they also help people to travel to other countries around the world, at least in the pre-COVID-19 days, so that they can become ambassadors of Australian science in foreign countries. And what qualifies a person to become a fellow? That's a very good and very interesting question, Leo. It goes through a nomination form. So I think it's a highly political process. You obviously need to have grand stature in terms of your research, but I think it also is who you are and how you obviously conduct yourself. You'll need to have demonstrated that you are promoting Australian science and that you've also demonstrated excellence in your science. And if you were to be made a fellow, what would that give you as a, as a researcher? What would be the benefit to the individual? Street cred is probably... Or you get... It's recognition. So if you're a fellow 
you can demonstrate that your research has impact. So you can use that in grant applications. Uni- universities can use that in their standing and saying we've got so many fellows of the Academy of Science on the book. So that's it's something that helps with your with your standing in the academic community. And what uh, would be the responsibilities of a fellow? Do they have to attend these meetings? Do they have to speak for the... They have to promote the academy, act in accordance with the charter of the academy, attend its meetings, uh, participate in committees, all those things that come from a honorific achievement as a fellow. Right. Well, shall we move on to the, the business side of the story? Yep, let's move on to the business side of the story. Well, so to match up with the Australian Academy of Science, I did want to report on a peak body for entrepreneurs in Australia. Um, but unfortunately, there isn't really a single body that captures all startups. Obviously, they work on an incredible diversity of ideas. Um, but there isn't that isn't to say that there aren't peak bodies for individual companies. So groups like the Australian Computer Society, the Advanced Growth Centres, or Oz Biotech may well speak to a subset of the startup communities, and most founders could find a peak body that relates to their field. However, I did want to quickly cover the Chamber of Commerce. Um, These bodies are not focused on startups, but they have long been the home of advocacy for businesses, both small and large. There is usually a chamber in each city, and certainly one at the state and federal levels. They are associations with funding drawn from the businesses who are members of them, National associations generally have really large companies as members like BHP or the Commonwealth Bank, while local associations will generally be formed from small businesses uh, within that region. At all levels, the purpose of a business chamber is to aid the growth and success of the member companies, and that can range from things as simple as organising fates and street parties through to lobbying politicians uh, and government to reduce business regulation or taxes. Many Chamber of Commerces will also run awards programs, have newsletters and operate websites, and these can be really valuable in building the profile of a small company. I think for many entrepreneurs, that's really the place where Chambers of Commerce can be of most value. Using their stage to help build your own profile and connect to new networks can be an excellent strategy for business development. So joining a Chamber of Commerce and applying for their awards programs is probably the best strategy. So... Who runs them? It will generally be experienced business people. I think it probably falls under the adage of those who can do and those who can't teach. So you'll, you'll get people who had a moderately successful business might end up being in the Chamber of Commerce and helping to facilitate other businesses to succeed. Yeah, it's generally a pretty small staff on all of the regional ones, maybe just one or two people. Uh, but as you get up to the national level, they will be employing lobbyists, they will be employing marketing consultants and people to run those kind of larger award events that they operate annually. So they are paid employees, so they have employees yeah. as such. Absolutely, yeah. So the, the funding for these organisations is drawn from businesses. You have to pay a membership fee to be part of the Chamber of Commerce and that funding is used to pay for the employees as much as anything. So if I run a small company, can I apply to become a member or um, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely you can. Uh, you can. You will generally, if you're running a small company, you'll join the regional chamber of commerce. So there might be one from your local city. That would be the chamber that you would join and they would have specific things about your area. Um, it's, it's, I guess that's one of the challenges with a startup because although you are a very small company, you're also probably got large ambitions to be national or even multinational. So that's probably why the chamber of commerce does not necessarily fit the entrepreneurial mold exactly 
um, because they would be used to advocating for your local region if you joined the local one, and it's probably far too expensive to join the national chamber of commerce to try to get advocacy at that level. So it's it's more built for established businesses, but certainly through the awards programs, they do celebrate startups and, and new ideas. So that's probably the, the way to go. So how, how does this interplay work between local chamber of commerce, state, go, um, state and then possibly one on the national level as well? Is there... Do they talk to each other? Do you I'm know? I'm sure they talk to each other. It's definitely between the state and national levels. The, the, the way it works in another organisation I'm more familiar with, which is Surf Life Saving, is that each becomes an association of the higher level. They kind of sign an affiliation agreement um, and will take guidance on, on policies and on their kind of strategic direction from the organisation that sits above them. So a local one in uh, Sydney might take direction from the New South Wales uh, business chamber and then the New South Wales would take direction from the Australian Chamber of Commerce and then if there is an international one, which I don't think there is, but perhaps they would look to things like the UN and other charters to, to take direction at the national level. And can you give me an idea of budgets? Oh, what, what sort of budget would they have? I have no idea what the actual scale of their budget is. I, I expect the regional ones are very much run on a shoestring but the national budgets are probably quite large and they probably spend quite a bit of it on their advocacy, actually, the lobbying. So you mentioned lobbying. Would a national body also be involved in international lobbying or would that just be purely based in Australia? There's not that many international laws that apply to businesses. I guess they might lobby on things like tariffs, but you'd still be lobbying your national government on that. So I'd, I don't think they would lobby to the UN or anybody like that. They would generally be within their country doing that lobbying. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably all we have time for for yep. this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. And See you next time. See you next time.